This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And we hope you're enjoying the shows on the Danger Entertainment Network now, including the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast. Yeah, we're super thrilled to be a part of this awesome lineup, guys. Um, and what we do here on our show is it's look, we are just trying to make you guys laugh through all kinds of different avenues. Hear me out here. Yeah. Hear me out. Please. What we are is we're two geeky white dudes talking and trying to be funny. Yeah, not trying to blow in your mind here with, uh, <laughs> with something brand, brand new, new, but... um, You yeah. never heard anything like this. We talk about Star Wars. <laughs> talk about, we talk about superheroes. Talk about Marvel movies, man. Look, <laughs> we are... <laughs> We're cutting some damn, we're, we're, we're breaking some damn boundaries over we here. We are. Breaking new ground. Yeah. But for real, what we do is we play invented games. Yeah, and we try to spin everything into a brand new fun game that we've made yeah. up. Um, we filter it all through that sensibility and... We're both improvisers, so a lot of what we talk about ends up in, in, in sort of a scene that we have a lot of fun with. Uh, we talk about our lives, pop culture and movies. We talk about a little bit of everything. So if that's what you like, check us out. Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast on the Danger Entertainment Network. They look like Vikings. Mike here. Check out our homepage, WeebyGeeks.net. Right-hand side is our affiliates. Support them, supports us. Also, too, check out our partners, Found Me and Heroes and Villains. Click their images, and you, too, get 15% off your first purchase for using the code WeebyGeeks, all one word. Also, too, check out the picture that's got the rotating images. That's our web store. Great place to get all your Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, and Wookiee Radio logoed merchandise. So, all that can be found on the right-hand side of WeebyGeeks.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream of freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. God. I don't know Did why you I almost forget where we were? No. <laughs> I'm on three different shows, so I forgot what show I was running. Oh, so you're <laughs> just so talk. popular. Um, like I said, it is <laughs> Weeby Geeks. Uh, it's the dashing duo, Derek, myself, Mike. And joining us is director, producer Jeff Miller, and the Tex-Mex queen herself, Lauren Compton. How's everyone doing? Thank you. Good. I'm doing so good. I have so many tacos and so many. I have so many trays. My trays have trays. <laughs> I hope no one's hungry watching this. Actually, this is audio only when it releases. We just do the video so we can get the better vibe with each other. Oh. Yeah. Like, okay. like we're all sitting around a table eating tacos. 
Yeah, okay. So, tell us a little bit about uh, Once Upon a Time in Deadwood. Well, it's a Western. It stars Bronzy, Robert Bronzy. Uh, I produced it. I helped write it and produced it. Renee Perez uh, directed it. And then uh, it co-stars Michael Perret, and it's about a gunslinger who has hired uh, he's flipped a slow-acting poison, and he has three days to track down and rescue uh, a woman who has the antidote. He still has the antidote. She's been kidnapped by this band of hoodlums. And Lauren is the woman who's been kidnapped. And the damsel in distress. Sold into prostitution or something horrible, yes. Yeah. Give me something new. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a reach, I know. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> so, how, how did the idea for the movie come about? Um, I made a couple movies with Robert Bronzy. Um, and so I wanted to do a Western. I talked to a sales agent, a distributor, a friend of mine, and uh, he wanted to go in on a Western with me. So we partnered up. And I wanted to be the star Bronzy, and uh, that was it. So uh, I had some ideas. I had the title I liked, and I had some ideas. And then Renee Perez wrote the bulk of the script, and uh, we went out and shot it earlier this year. And it just came out on digital. And, DVD comes out next month. Yeah. It's just amazing how much Robert Bronzy looks a lot like Charles Bronzy. Yeah. I was thinking that's, yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite stunning. I was with I was with him in Cannes uh, earlier this year, and a lot of people did double takes and stuff when they saw him in the street. Yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> So, Lauren, how did you get involved in the project? Well, Jeff called me. <laughs> and he was like, uh, I have this project. It's really cool. You're going to play the damsel in distress. It's a Western. Do you want to do it? And usually I would ask like 500 questions. I'd be like, um, just like an overload of information. But I've worked with Jeff on a couple projects before. And they've all been really fun. And the cast has always been really good. And I've never had a bad experience. So I feel like whenever you trust somebody in this industry, it's pretty easy to work with them over and over again. So he called me, asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <was> pretty simple. <laughs> so, so why set in the Old West? Uh, I've never done a Western. So this is my first Western. I just, you know, I had friends that have done Westerns and they seem to have done well and I thought it'd be a lot of fun. And Bronzy is per perfectly suited for Westerns. You know, Charles Bronson did a lot of some Westerns. So uh, that's why. I thought it'd be fun. And uh, I don't know if Lauren, had, Lauren, have you done a Western before? Nope. But my dad was a really huge fan of John Wayne when I was growing up. So I was forced to watch Westerns <laughs> like Rio Bravo and all of these, you know, Westerns. So when you asked me to do it, the first thing I thought of was my dad. And I lost my dad a little bit ago. So that was kind of like a sentimental thing to me too. I was like, oh, 
kind of like dope. I get to do something that my dad would have really loved to see. So no, I've never done it, but I was like super flattered that you asked me to do it because that was like a total moment for me. It's very cool. How much walk apart any time? Oh, you were breaking up on my end. Yeah, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, um, you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I said, how much did you know about the part when he when he offered it to you? You know, I don't know if it's, uh, in my experience of acting, anytime I hear about any kind of a role, I never know anything. You know, that's the thing about actors is we want to do it all and we feel like we can. And so a lot of times I'll get a genre, right? Someone will be like, oh, this is a Western. You're playing a damsel in distress. And here's the sides. And that's basically it. And I feel like that's pretty typical. So when Jeff asked me to do it, you know, he said, this is a Western. You play the damsel in distress. Um, I didn't really know too much about the story to begin with, but... Yeah, I mean, I really didn't know a lot. But like I said, you know, when I, I've worked with him before, so I didn't really ask like a zillion questions. And then as we got closer to the date, we started doing like a wardrobe fitting and I got the script and I got more sides and I started just educating myself, finding out who the other characters were. So it kind of like grows. If you get the role, you end up finding out more information uh, if you book it. If you don't book it, you don't really ever know what it was you know so once they confirmed i started finding out at that point okay so jeff why lauren for abigail instead of ursula (laughs) (laughs) Um, well might have actually, I, I don't remember, I might have actually talked to her about Ursula at one point when I first brought it to the project to attention. I think you did. As I recall, I might have brought it to Lauren's attention as for Ursula. And Renee had worked with Karen. Karen Brahms plays Ursula. So Renee had done several movies with Karen and felt comfortable with her. Um, you know, it's an independent movie. There's a lot of travel back and forth. The Northern Californian back where we, were, we shot most of the movie. And I think Renee felt more comfortable with, with Karen because he'd worked with her before. As he explained to me, he's like, I like working with somebody new, like in a smaller role. And then I'll hire them in bigger roles after that. But, you know, I want to feel comfortable with them first. And so, once he told me that, you know, I was like, all right, I don't want him to, I don't want to fight him on this place. So, I said, hey, Lauren, why don't you play Abigail? And she said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, because I like to be involved in projects with people that I've worked with that I trust and that I know, because there's just not, like, a lot. So, of course, I want to be involved. But I didn't really know the difference between the two characters anyway, and I hadn't invested a lot of time in either one at that point. So I was just open to whatever they felt was the best fit, you know? So, um, and I totally get that from a director point of view, like wanting to work with someone that they feel comfortable with. Totally cool. Happens all the time. 
and Renee was dope. I had a good time working with him. I thought he was very cool. He was very fast, got the shot, moved on. Man, I love that. I love that he was like very fast with that stuff. Didn't yeah. exhaust. And he was also very cool whenever it came to me saying, you know what, like, can I do that shot again? So even though he was like, we got it, let's move on. If I ever had a time where I was like, hey, you know what, actually, I'd like to redo that one. I think I can do it better. He was like totally open to doing it again. And so I think that's what makes a really good director an actor's director, not just like trying to direct a movie, but someone who cares and feels the actors and what they're capable of. So Renee was really cool. I really enjoyed working with him as well. You just you just made Michael Pere laugh too much all the time though. I love that guy. <laughs> Lauren's like a comedian, so she's uh, she was making jokes all the time, and they were quite funny a lot of them. So everybody was kind of cracking up. Michael Pere was kind of thrown thrown off guard a few times, I think. <laughs> he was hilarious. He was so funny. He would keep looking at me, and he'd look at me, and he'd like give me this like eyebrow, and he's just like. And you could tell, you know, when someone looks at you and they just say shut up with their face? <laughs> that was Michael. <laughs> so where, where exactly did y'all shoot Deadwood at? Uh, obviously, California, um, more north, a, a specific area. Lauren's scenes were in a a little town, a little western town near Yosemite National Park. So we shot for about a couple days there, and then most of the rest of the movie was shot in northern California near Mount Shasta, kind of way northern California. And uh, we did two days in Spain, but Lauren did not go to Spain. But uh, just Renee and Brian went to Spain for a couple days for the desert, the desert scene. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jeff, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> Next time. He, he could have sent you to China. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be mad at a discount. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you, have you gotten any heat using uh, Deadwood and having people think you're, you're tying it into the Deadwood series? Well, somebody, it's funny, a director friend of mine just sent me, a, I think he's actually in Florida, he's scouting a movie in Florida, he sent me a picture of, uh, he was in Walmart, I guess, he snapped a picture of a DVD, and then he sent them to me on Facebook, and then he deleted it, and I'm like, hey, what, you sent me something and deleted it, why did you delete it, like, I couldn't see the image, it was like a, I saw it for like a second, and then it got deleted, he goes, oh, I thought it was your movie, but it was the Deadwood TV show. <laughs> so I said, Don't That's worry about amazing. Because so, our DVD hasn't even come out yet. It comes out November 19th. That's so, awesome. Everyone yeah. thinks that this is just like extra publicity for your movie. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But it's tied into like a Deadwood show because I knew they were doing, I knew HBO was doing a movie. Um, it's tied in to, uh, obviously, Once Upon a Time in the West, you know, famous Charles Bronson Western, and then obviously Tarantino is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I figured it's kind of uh, a mix of the three. Hey, you know what, Jeff? You're good at that, though, because we did Clown Town. <laughs> right when all this Clown Town, like, clown stuff was coming out from Vegas, and, like, yep. it, it, or was it It that came out? 
Like right around that. Yeah, it was a little bit later, but I think Rob Zombie had a clown movie. That Rob was Zombie, out. yeah. There was like all this clown stuff coming out. You're really good with timing and like associating it with whatever is going on. Like, fucking bravo. Keep calling me. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wrote another script, Lauren. You're, we have you in mind for Winter Wolves. That's what I like to hear. Written oh. for you. <laughs> yeah, all right. We just broke news on our show. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was, um, there was, I don't, I don't, I don't you're, you're breaking up again, Derek. Uh, it was an interesting conclusion for Derek. All I heard was interesting. Yeah, something about an interesting character. Actually, Write it on a board and hold it up. <laughs> Write it and hold it up to this camera. Yeah, all I heard was it was a very interesting, and then cut right off. Could you? Can you hear me now? I can. All right. I was saying that uh, there was an interesting conclusion to Lauren's character in the movie that uh, that kind of took me by surprise. Yeah. It was one, it was one of those twists that was a shot in the dark. You know, I haven't even seen the movie yet. <laughs> you haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen the movie. And I and so you guys are telling me all about these different... Jeff, get that out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> Am I on the cover? No. <laughs> no, but your name is, your name is on the back. <laughs> you know what? Movies, covers of movies are like Playboy magazine. Everybody only looks at the front. They open it to the middle and they never look at the back. <laughs> well, so thanks. We're not those people. I, I'm, I a, I'm a bonus junkie. I love bonus features. <laughs> that, that's why it, you're the special editions. It totally pisses me off when oh. We're going to release a Marvel movie, but to get all the bonus features, you got to buy five copies because you have to buy it from Target, Walmart, Best Buy, Amazon, iTunes. I'm like, yeah, no. Wait, they do that? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I have never heard of that. Yeah. That's fucked. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Wow. They sure know how to make sales. Yeah. That, that's a big part of it. Um, so how long was the actual process um, on your end, Jeff, from start to finish with the film? And also, I'll, I'll put the twist on it. Uh, same thing. How long was the process for you, Lauren, from start to finish on the film? Um. I think I did a deal with Renee in um, December, last December. I was working on a movie called Dolls that I was producing when I was in negotiations with the sales agent distributor, who is my partner, um, and also Ron Lee, who I've worked with before. 
and Lauren knows Ron. Love Lee. Ron. Ron's yeah. amazing. Shout out yeah. to Ron. Yeah, Ron is awesome. So we all decided to partner on this Western. So that was December. And then we started shooting it. You know, we, the script was written pretty fast. We started shooting it in February. I think Lauren's scenes were shot in uh, March. In fact, my birthday it was my birthday when we when we drove up oh, to that yeah, town. Oh yeah, they brought you out a cake. Why did all the lights just go out? This is so annoying. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, so we shot that in March, and then um, finished the movie in uh, I think June. I think I was delivering the movie in June. So, wow, what a fast. Wow. Yeah, and then it just came out in October in the DVD on digital. The DVD will be out next uh, next month, yeah, November 19th. Am I going to go need to buy five copies to learn more about my characters? Yeah. Six. You need six copies to buy. Each, each cast member needs to buy six copies. <laughs> you better send me one and autograph it. <laughs> yeah, I've got one here with your name on it. Wait, we didn't do a premiere? No. You're fired. <laughs> I'm gonna do a bronzy double feature, and so that'll be one of them with my when I, when I do a double feature. Okay, that's right? fair. Yeah. Premieres are the only time I ever get to dress up. You can't like skip out on the premiere. You're never gonna see me in a dress. <laughs> so I guess if you put me in like an 1800s Western dress, you will. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> True. The process from are you done? Did you answer your question? Oh, I think so, but you know, feel free to add anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeff, I love you so much. You're one of my favorite humans. So, you're awesome. It's very funny. <laughs> my process was pretty simple. I showed up. Um, I think I got my sides a few days before. I like to not, like, I like to meet the people that I'm going to be acting with and see where they're coming from. And Michael, oh my God, he had me, like, blown away. He did so much work on his character. And I was like, oh, uh-oh, this is going to be really bad. Michael's going to outact me. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and so I started asking him about his, about his process. And I'm like, so like, you know, what you do to prepare for this role? And he starts telling me all this different techniques and how he's been memorizing his lines. And like, he's like even got like specific things on his wardrobe to, to take him to a certain place. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I didn't do any of this. And I'm supposed to be the damsel in distress. But then this, like, little girl walks in, and they're like, you're protecting this little girl. And, like, all of a sudden, I was like, well, there's my little card up my sleeve. Like, now suddenly I got to care about you. So I did a lot of work on set, and I connected with Michael, and I connected with this little girl. And suddenly, like, my character kind of, like, made sense. But moving up to it, I really didn't do like a lot of work because I I didn't know too much about what I was actually doing. You know, I was like, oh, I'm a damsel in distress. I've got a badass dress. I'm going to be in jail. They're going to put some dirt on my face and I'm going to be in distress. I can do that. And then like, I had to actually work. 
And I guess that's why I made Michael laugh so much because I was busy not working. I feel like that's a really big reason why people either do or don't work with me. Because it's either going to be like a little on the fly. I'm really not doing myself a lot of justice here. <laughs> My forte is comedy and improvisational work. Okay. But um but you know, I guess it really came together for me like on set. That was like, the longest way for me to say that ever. That was like very long. But I remember we said like uh there was a line in a movie, Michael says, uh, you know, we're gonna have you for those you get you gotta service these these miners coming in. You got miners coming in. You're gonna service it. You were like with a straight face. Miners, are you talking like eight years old? <laughs> it was pretty it was just funny at the time. There's a lot of funny stuff like that that just broke the tension but also I had to leave after a while, I couldn't take it. <laughs> I was like, alright, let's go. <laughs> But you know, like to be fair, I didn't have like a ton of lines. So really a lot of my my role was action based. You know, I get kidnapped, I get thrown in this prison, I have to like pretty much cry. So a lot of it was just like action based and I think I had a handful of lines. So there wasn't like a lot that I needed to do other than distract Michael to make my performance look better. <laughs> that was your um your time in the prison cell was it was that easy for you to get into that space or role no it from, was actually from past really history? cold imagine i'm like actually i feel very comfortable in a cell um there's your next you know, film Jeff. I, <laughs> yeah orange is the new lauren <laughs> um i Actually, that gel cell stuck, and it was really scary. It was cold. It was freezing. It was really cold. And I think whenever I act, whenever whenever I do pull from things that are happening that day, I pull from whatever is current or from whatever is true. So definitely there was this aspect where I'm, like, cold. I'm, like, actually locked into this set. Like, I can't leave because they're shooting all around. And I'm just kind of like, man, I, like, really am in this cell. And I really can't get out. And it really is really cold and uncomfortable, you know? Like, this kind of sucks. So then we would shoot, and I would just sort of be in the moment of, like, it actually being cold and small. And then there was this little tiny cot. I think there was one point where where Renee was like, sit on the cot. I looked at it, and I was like... <laughs> you sit on the cot. Like no one wants to sit on that cot. And so it was like an uncomfortable situation. I would not do well in prison at all. I would I would go nuts. Oh. This is where I was about to ask anyone if they've ever been to jail. No. Me neither. Jeff, it sounds like you got a perfect lead for a prison cell. I think so. Right there. The day we've all been waiting for. I'm going to work on it. We'll shoot in Thailand. We'll get a Thai prison. Yes! <laughs> and it's always Taco Tuesdays yes. in the prison. Take me to Thailand. Thailand, we'll yep. Just, 
Yes. <laughs> did you say Thailand or did I just hear that in my head? I said Thailand, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a Thai prison movie. <laughs> I give a fuck. We're going to be in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. You know, I, I used to always want to take these jobs that were like all around the world for like very little pay. I'm like, whatever, it's Indonesia, whatever, we're going to Japan, like who cares? And then someone was like, you know, you could stay in town and do a studio movie and then go somewhere like that on vacation on your own dime. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to pay for that. <laughs> like even so, but it was a great point. It was a great solid point. And it just went right over my head. And I was like, I could. You, you get a put. You get a put in your rider for every three days of shooting. You want two days off. Mm-hmm. You want to be my manager? <laughs> Possibly. I like the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> the dog needs to come with me. Got clear customs, and that's a whole other can of worms. I know. She's got all of her shots, and she's a service animal. Is she therapy or service? I'm not just talking about myself. Is she a therapy dog or a service dog? <laughs> well, I tell people that she reminds me to take my medicine, which wasn't true until I started taking medicine. <laughs> <laughs> but now she really, like, does. I look at her, and I'm like, oh, I believe my own lie. I'm like, oh. Every time I look at her, I'm like... I should take my vitamins. Maybe, so service. Maybe she's a therapy dog for everyone else who has to work with Lauren. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. What a burn. What a great burn. burn. I like you. You're hired. <laughs> burn. You're done. You're done at Walt Disney. Come on over. <laughs> Be my manager. We'll go to Thailand. <laughs> I see a lot of trouble in your future. Mine or hers? Both. <laughs> afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> so, um, what was one of y'all's favorite moments in the film or while shooting? Oh, I loved getting shot. I love getting killed in movies. It's my favorite. Spoiler alert. Um, I love dying. I love it. And if you guys have watched Attack of the Killer Donuts, so you know that I die while having sex with my boyfriend, I get eaten by donuts. So deaths are really my thing. Jeff, shut up. Jeff. What? Not down here. <laughs> no, my face, my, my blood fell outside. <laughs> well, I, I thought Jeff's role was, was pretty dead on. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah you saw my which one? Well, in the stagecoach? In the stagecoach, yeah. Okay. You're, you're pretty dead on there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Some of my best work. <laughs> Jeff, you're the new Tarantino. You're going to do all these little cameos in your movies. I've been in a lot of movies. Not everyone, but I'm in probably two-thirds or three-quarters of my films. Were you in Clowntown? 
I am. Where? There's like a bathroom scene early in the movie with Brian oh, and Andrew. Right. And I, I remember. Past them. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. That was the best part of that whole movie. It was. I think that that scene made the movie. Absolutely. Clown Town is one I have not seen yet. What? They just on Prime. Seems like Amazon Prime for free. You gotta watch that movie. Know. It's so well lit. Well, I I have I have Prime, so I'll... Derek, we're gonna have to watch it. Man. Yeah. Sounds yeah, good. Clown Town. They have me in a really amazing low cut shirt the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and they have me run. I just wish it would have been in slow motion. You know, yeah, it would have been like a Baywatch scene. moment. Oh my god, it's like the greatest. That's one of the best shots in the movie. <laughs> I just love your movies, Jeff. They really highlight me. <laughs> Thank you. So, so Lauren auditioned. She just did a cold audition for Clownhead, right? <laughs> She I came did. in and it was literally a cold. You know, it's not. It's not always who you know. I mean, she literally was a cold audition and she got cast as the female lead. Yeah, I remember Tommy was uh, the director, and he was like, I, I think I don't remember who was fighting for me and who wanted a name, but I ended up getting it, and that was like the coolest thing ever. That was such a cool role. You guys have to watch that movie, but let's talk about this Western. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to, like, derail, but watch Clown Town. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely check it out. Hey, Derek, it sounds like a Keepers of the Friends Halloween special. <laughs> yeah, and it's October. It's a perfect time. Yeah. And she's got a low-cut like- shirt throughout the movie. Full movie. It's like one outfit. Like Daisy Dukes, low-cut white shirt. I think I wear like a sweater at one point, and they're like, you're going to run past the tree, and it's going to get caught on a branch and just spin out of it. And then just keep running. Just keep running. You know? And I'm just like, man, this is what I'm living for. I'm living for this. <laughs> just so, right? So the, just so the- laughing because he knows. So the question is now, how many people at the restaurant are looking at you funny with everything you're doing? Everybody. But I'm in Boys Town. Yeah, she's in West Hollywood. She might not be getting that much attention. I'm the only girl here, and none of them are interested in me. (laughs) That's why I'm sitting over here. I'm, like, slumped over eating, like, chips and queso. Drinking a skinny margarita with a straw that's about something you'd get at Disneyland. It's like 10 feet tall. <laughs> I could drink it from the other side of the table. I'm really nailing it. You guys are wondering how my career is going so far. <laughs> so, who are some of your inspirations for directing? And we'll do the same for, for acting as well. So for me, well, again, I didn't direct Dead Wood. I've only directed one movie. Or, or producing. Sorry. I have, you know, producing. There are producers I like. You know, it's not like I try to emulate their careers necessarily, but, uh, you know, I'm just based in Bob I like. Uh, Dave Silver. 
Um, you know, obviously, people like you know, Gary Sluckheimer, William Castle. I like William Castle back in the day. Some of the really cool things he did to promote his films. Some early movies I did in South Carolina, we did some little gimmicks like that. We had a nurse outside of my first movie. Like I, we had a, a model, like a whole model just in a you know, nurse outfit, handing out barf bags before uh, my first movie. <laughs> So we would do little tricks like that back in the day, but uh, so I always like that kind of promotional stuff. But yeah, there's not really any producers. I really, you know, I, Deborah Hill that produced Halloween and some early John. I'm a big John Carpenter fan, so I love Deborah Hill. She helped produce some of his early movies. Yeah, well, um, when you said Bruckheimer. Was that pre or post his two Batman movies? Oh. <laughs> you know, I just like that. You know, he's just got such a successful career and does these big commercial movies. They're just fun, you know, popcorn movies, and they're fun. And I like making popcorn. There's a few bigger, more serious movies I'd like to make. Who doesn't love a good popcorn? What about you, Lauren? You know, I have like two favorite actresses in the world. Meg Ryan and Charlie Theron. And they are like gods to me. And they really like do the same thing. And I think that's why I like both of them so much. But I like Meg Ryan a lot because she was so pretty and it was like she didn't ever know it. And she was always so personable and so charismatic. And so and she could play anything. She could be a bitch and she could be like, the girl next door, she could be a sweetheart or like the girl that you just like can't get away from fast enough. And the same thing with Charlie Theron. I love how she can play comedy and she can also be in like the long shot and she can be, you know, um, a politician just the same way she can be on Molly, you know? And uh, I really love those two actresses more than like anybody else in Hollywood and not just because they're blonde. But um, I guess whenever I think of actors that I want to be more like, I would think of them. I would think of one of them. Um, but I definitely, I guess I say that just because their looks don't change their character if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'll get cast, like I'll get picture cast into a role where it just looks like I fit that role. And I always try to put a spin on it where it doesn't reflect the way that it looks. There's something a little deeper there, um, whether it's comedic or dramatic. So I guess for me, I would say that they're more like reminders, not like idols. They're more just okay. girls that I want to remember. So, that I, like something I appreciate. So you have specific headshots for specific genres of films, though. I do. I just got new headshots too, and the photographer kind of fought me on it. And she's like, "You know what you're trying to do is a little dated." And I was like, "I don't care. It's what I want to do. I am paying you." <laughs> um, but I did. I did um, a police officer. And Jeff, I got to show you these because I want to know your thoughts. Okay. But I did a police officer, 
and uh, I built this wardrobe to look like a legit police officer, like that's like that would just come out of a cop car in the shirt. I went to a store where cops go to buy those shirts, and I bought all the little pieces and all the little pins. It's like studio quality, looks like a police officer. And I did the same thing with nurse, like scrubs, and I got you know, a stethoscope and I put it on in some of the pictures and photographer again was like, props are not like usually welcome in headshots. And I'm like, I want to do some with it, but I don't care. Like, you know, a part of the problem right now for actors is that social media is so big and every girl on social media that's trying to have a significant following is usually probably pretty sexy, you know? So if you want to, like, grow your following, it's hard to do and not be that bikini model. And so when I go into a casting office and they know me from Instagram, if I'm there for a police officer role, the first thing they're going to think is, she can't, like, they've seen all my pictures. They're like, that's not a cop. Like, I'm not going to believe that she can play a cop or that she can play a nurse. So I did these headshots recently. And I made sure to get these looks that were so legit, that looked like I was in a hospital working and like this police officer that just got off the job. You know, I'm barely wearing any makeup. And so I've started like really focusing on photos lately to try to show these other roles that I want to play and these other aspects of myself that I can bring out because with social media today, if a casting director or director or producer were to look at my Instagram, it'd be unbelievable. They'd be like, there's no way that that girl can play something more serious than whatever I see here, you know? So lately I've started, I've started uh, shifting and trying to get more photos like that for my agents and my reps to shop out. Well, you, you, you bring up a good point about social media. Do you think... Um, and I know I've been seeing it with a lot of cosplayers on Instagram. Do you do you think it hurts um, either the cosplay industry or the acting slash modeling industry um, with some of these people feeling that in order to garner more attention, they have to wear less and less in their Instagram photos? just to get the followers. I mean, it's all about what you're after. Um, I think if you're just all about numbers, then yeah, we're less for a girl. Like, I hate to say that, but, you know, social media is all about what you look like, not who you are. So if you look at girls that have 10 million followers, chances are they're not wearing a lot of clothes. You know, even like Cardi B. Like, look at Cardi B. I love Cardi B. I follow Cardi B. But all of her photos are, like, TNA, you know? So people are following her for her pictures. Um, I don't think you have to. You know, there's another girl. Her name is Lele Pond. I think she has somewhere around 30 million followers. And uh, she's a comedic actress that writes little skits on Instagram. And she does, like, very little TNA, you know? So you want to? I think that you want to curate... Um, what did they say? There's a there's a word that I'm looking for that I can't find. It's not like a follower. It's someone who is um, 
almost like able to monetize, right? So you want someone that if you post a photo with clothes on, like more clothes, a turtleneck, how many people are going to unfollow you for that? A lot. You don't want those people that are going to unfollow you. What your point is on social media is to build a following that doesn't really care. And that's the hardest kind of following to build. That's the kind of following you can monetize. So I've been trying to do a little bit of both. Like I, my brand, I want to be a sexy, funny chick. I want people to look at me and be like, she's hilarious. And she's also like owns her body. She's not shy. But I don't want to be like so far gone that all my photos are bikini. Right. You know, I don't know if I'm answering this right. Um, well, it, it seems like what you're saying with you, you're, you're, you're being true to yourself. Right. And, and this is, you know, if we watch one of your films, it's the type of thing we're going to see in your film. Whereas I know with like a lot of cosplayers, they're known for specific costumes that they wear. And when they go to, you know, in the professionals, they go to the costumes, but then they turn around and go, well, I want to make the next costume, but I don't want to pay for it. I want you to pay for it. Go check out my OnlyFans page or go check out my Patreon and you're going to get more pictures that are, here's a tease and I'm going to be even less skimpier clothing, if not nude there I, I just yeah I, but you I, know what you, the thing is though you can't be mad at that because they're putting themselves out there right they're putting themselves out there and whether we agree with that or not it's like okay you're putting yourself out there it's the people that are buying into it that's their choice if, if someone wants to see someone like Liz Katz who's like a girl that does that. She's a friend of mine. I just had her on my podcast recently. She was a porn star. And on social media, you know, she's posting pictures, just like you're saying in this cosplay, like barely there swimsuits. It's like just her areola is being covered, you know? And she's like, I take this off in my Patreon or OnlyFans. You can't be mad at her for that. She's being open and honest. But there's a ton of people really care about her taking that bikini off. You know, I have a, I don't really do the wish list, the Amazon wish list thing. Like some girls are like, buy me this if you want to buy me right. something, you know. I personally am not a fan. I don't think that's very cool. I don't think that's authentic. I think that's just putting yourself out there saying you want stuff, you know. But See, I, I'm not a fan of that either. I would uh, champion someone who at least puts themselves out there and is true and honest than someone who's doing it on the side and pretending like they're this like great, perfect person. And then on the side, they're like a whore, you know, like way to go for being out there and like open and honest. I like that's that's credibility. Like no right. one can say shit against you when you put yourself out there that hardcore. See, I guess being a dad of a daughter I'd rather have her look at stuff like your Instagram where it's more true and honest and out there instead of some of these ones that are oh yeah you're going to see this person at a convention and just know that for them to be here they're, they're begging people give them money 
So they could then show up and then beg you for money more to sign an autograph when all they are is just someone who's kind of popular doing cosplay. And that and that's what they're doing. Um, but I, I guess I, I'm starting to head down a rabbit hole that, that I really wasn't meaning to go. No, but I mean, now you're into a, I mean, these are conversations that I love opening. And I'm, I mean, we can absolutely have another conversation about it later. Like these are things that I'm very passionate about. I like psychological, like what is beneath this person that's doing all this stuff? Like that's, I'm into it. So See, this, this sounds like something that I need to come on to your podcast and talk about. <laughs> Have y'all seen that movie Cam? That movie Cam? Yeah, have you seen it? Is it's it Netflix. a documentary? No. Then I have it's, not. It's about this girl that's trying to get like all these followers on the, you know, she's facing herself, you know, looking sexy or cute or whatever, and all these followers are paying her money or tokens or whatever they're doing. And she has to keep doing more and more outrageous things to keep moving up and up in the rankings, and it starts getting really creepy. And yeah, it's a horror film. I think I think Blumhouse might have picked it up or something, but I think it got released. Really but that makes sense. Well, it's actually you know. like a very uh, interesting point is that you these girls that do do this. You know, it's kind of like like um, a really bad example, but let's just like compare it to porn. Whenever a girl starts doing porn, she gets caught, right? She can't really get out. She's making so much money. She's labeled herself. So a little bit of it is kind of that thing too. And when girls start making money for cosplay, if they were to stop, if they were to say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. Unless they've saved up a lot of that money and they have a plan where they're right. going to invest it in something and like move to something else, that's what they do. That's them. They've owned it and they're like, okay, this is like, this is what we're doing. Right. And I hate to compare it to that, you know, but it's just, it's, it's an easy way. Um, you know, I did Playboy. I was in Playboy and I didn't tell my dad. And uh, I was terrified. And I told my mom, I went to Argentina for three months and I shot a TV show and I called my mom because I had to. Because I was leaving the country and someone had to know. So I called my mom. I'm like, mom, I'm going to Argentina. I booked a TV show. And she's like, oh my God, you're going to be a superstar. And I'm like, well, calm down. Because <laughs> uh, you're not going to like the next part. It's for Playboy TV. And she's like, um, like, is that the same? Is that like an association with the magazine? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's actually the same thing, <laughs> only video instead of photo. And so she's like, well, you got to tell your dad. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I sure don't. I'm telling you so that if I die, you know where I die. <laughs> like, that's the only reason you're finding out. And so I didn't ever tell my dad. I didn't, I never told him. And I went to Argentina and I filmed this TV show. I pretended like he was never going to find out. And then I got back and then uh, I started getting kind of excited about it. I was on social media. My dad was following me. I didn't know that. And uh, I'm like, oh, tune in and watch my TV show. (laughs) And so my dad watches this episode and his like jaw hits the floor and he calls me up and he's like, I got one question. 
Yeah. Is that tattoo real? <laughs> Thank you. I got a tattoo of a kiss on my butt. And uh, I said, yeah, that's real. He said, well, I'm very disappointed. I thought you'd never get a tattoo. So, well, I'm really sorry about that, but there's no going back. And he was like, I understand. Are you happy? Said, yeah, I'm pretty happy. I said, okay. Well, if you ever need any help, reach out. I said, okay. And then I stopped doing Playboy about six months later. And I never went back and I never did anything more. But that was the coolest thing that my dad, like, ever said. And my dad was a badass. John Wayne, like, from Texas, bite a bullet, spit in a bucket, you know. I didn't grow up rich. He was a computer engineer. He had friends that would smoke cigars and drink whiskey on the back porch. Like, my dad was a man's man, six foot five, you know. Wow. But for him to say that to his only child, after I did something that I thought I was going to get literally murdered for, uh, he was so cool about it. And that, like, changed my whole perspective on everything. I was like, wow, like, support is pivotal in yeah. people's lives, you know? And I didn't rebel. I didn't, like, have this sense of rebel. I had this thing that I did, and I was like, whatever. And then I kind of, like, didn't care about it anymore. I was like, all right, been there, done that. And my family was really cool about it. And so that really, you know, I think that's why I'm so interested in the psychological aspects of girls and cosplay and, and models that do stuff like that because a lot of times they don't have families that support them like that, you know? So they rebel and rebel and rebel and they find their way and they make a lot of money, but that's what they do. So I'm fascinated and we can talk about that all day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like I said, we may have to talk off air about coming over to your show. And sure. Do it. sure, absolutely. Because <laughs> Derek, Derek kind of knows where I stand about some of these professional cosplayers, and it's all, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact being a dad. Um, I only have I have a child, and in the same situation with your dad, it, it's my daughter, and I'm very. I want to promote a positive image. You know, I want to keep the positivity. You could, that she could do whatever she wants to do, but she's also got respect as well. And, and I think some of these professional cosplayers, it, it's they go beyond respecting themselves, and they're just looking for the quick cash. Sure. In many ways. So. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's probably what they're doing. They're like, quit catch. You know, I know that this girl that does it professionally, her name is Liz Cat. She, like I said, she just came on my podcast. She was homeless when she was 18 and had a kid. Oh, wow. And now she's my age, 32, and she has a 10-year-old son. You know, so she's single, but a single mom her whole life. And she went from literally living on the streets for five years to where she is now and she's not doing porn she's cosplaying and she has a patreon or or uh what it was it called like a fans only and um you know she makes extra money being nude but she's not out there touching other people or disrespecting her body in that sense 
you know? So you just always have to remember where people come from and why people do the things that they do. Because sometimes, you know, that's all people know. Right. Well, I I think the more as we're talking about this and and the more I've talked about it throughout the years, I think you brought it up best. It's, It's the wish list. Oh, here's what I want off of Amazon. Here's what, and yeah, I, I think I think that's where I see the the moral dilemma in the whole thing is. Yeah, you know, I, I know I mean, someone who materialistic, and you're not trying yeah, to support a I mean, child or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I know someone who, well, a cosplayer who, you know, they lost everything with the hurricane that hit Long Island uh, a few years ago. Was that Hurricane Sandy? And they immediately did a whole GoFundMe and Amazon. Oh, I want a play, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I'm like, you know, I, I would like those things too, but I'm not going out asking my listeners, hey, yeah. buy, buy Derek and I these game systems because, well, we want it. And, and we lost ours in a, in a flood. Yeah. Whatever. But, is this giving you a new movie idea, Jeff? This is it. You know, I feel like I'm, I feel like 80 years old because I always follow this cosplay stuff. I don't know this, what you guys are talking about. Really, it's not, it's kind of foreign to me. But you know what cosplay is, right, Jeff? Yeah, when people will dress it up as like their favorite characters. Right? Right, right. But it's like, it's intense. Like, there's people making their own costumes off of, like, Mortal Kombat video game characters. And then they go to, like, Comic-Con and, you know, stuff like that. Um, There's people out there who, yeah, they have a day job. But they're pulling in over six figures just doing cosplay for working, for for going to conventions for three, four days a week. So do they have, like, video, like, podcasts or something that they... Also, or is it just like these conventions? Lot, uh, it's the conventions. Uh, some have websites, but a lot are are Instagram because that's the that's the quickest way. A lot of it is just imagery. Yeah. Hmm. And, and thinking about it, it, it is almost a, a a great could be you know since you were talking bringing up the psychological side of things, it could be an interesting movie. You guys should check out Cam. I'm telling you. I have to check it out. Yeah. C-A-M. Cam. Yeah. on Netflix, I think. It was last time I, you know, last time I saw it. After Clown Town. After Clown Town, of course. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to watch it. Check cells. So, Jeff, what was a movie that really said, this is what I want to do. I want, I want him to become a producer. Uh, was there one that just really made you want to go down that avenue? I mean, I was like, uh, you know, when I saw Ladies of the Dark in the theater, that was like a favorite and that just kind of like changed things for me. And I mean, I was, a, I was a kid at the time, but that really had a big impact. I remember coming home from it and writing down the story. Like, I didn't have a script or anything for the movie. I just wrote down so I could remember, like, like, to have, like, a story for the movie. I just, 
and well, with comic strips, I, I just I wanted to be a writer, so I wanted to be a screenwriter. I wrote a bunch of scripts in college. Wrote my first script when I was eighteen. I wrote a bunch of in college, and then after college, and uh, I wrote a script with a guy that wrote this movie called Cap, Timothy Hutton, Tom Cruise. Um, that was a studio movie that came out in '87. But um, and I wrote a script together. It was a good script. It didn't fail. So I just got frustrated. And script writing is very lonely. And so I just I just knew some people in South Carolina that made a horror movie. And they were making a villain. So I called them up and said, Hey, if I can help you guys, you know, raise money or can I be a producer? On they said, Yeah. So I did, and I soon learned that I enjoyed producing. I'm more than writing. I just love the organizational aspect of it, doing the field contracts. So anyway, that's how I kind of got into it. But there wasn't necessarily a single movie I was making. It was more of a necessity as a writer, just a frustrated writer, when you get the you know, project made. And now um, I produce other what do you want to do, Jeff? I want to know what you want to do. You do all these films, and you do so many of them. What's like your big dream? I mean, I have some bigger scripts that I want to get made. I've got like pet projects. I wrote like a, a biopic on Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, oh, like, called what? It's called Nevermore. It's about Edgar Allan Poe. Oh my God. I got the perfect theme song for you, too, for it. <laughs> you just gotta get the license. You just gotta get the rights from Alan Parsons' project. Okay. Alan Parsons' project did an album that is based around Edgar Allan Poe's stories. Okay. And one of the cool. song and one of the songs is called Evermore or Nevermore. Nevermore. Okay. And, and the album is narrated by Orson Welles. It was one of the last projects okay. he did. Oh my god. See, now I gotta pull up iTunes and try and find this. Wait, no, I can go another route. I will get you this. Before we're done with the show, I will get you that title. (laughs) See, that's like a personal project, and I've got some other bigger scripts I want to get made. So it's just, uh, yeah. I want to keep making fun, bigger and fun movies. And work with awesome people like Lauren. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I actually, it was their, it was Alan Parson Project first studio project. And it's called Tales of Mystery and Imagination. Very cool. Sounds like my life story. <laughs> and, and it's about Edgar Allan Poe. It all tie, ties in. I'll check it out. Yeah. It's a great album. And uh, I, I used to live near, um, well, I went to school in Virginia. So, was it? University of Virginia is where he's buried near. And they have his dorm room. Yeah, he went to school there. Yeah, that was in our strip, yeah. Yeah, so I actually got to witness once the whole uh, mysterious stranger coming and bringing the rose and the, mm-hmm. and the alcohol to his grave. And everyone just stands there and it's like, Okay, don't say anything. Just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a surreal, surreal thing. Cool. So, um, Lauren, what what was like the one film that got you into, or that had the acting bug bite you? 
on the entertainment I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm going to say like a dumb movie because I was like young, you know, I was like I was a kid. Um, I grew up on Star Trek. (laughs) I guess that's like really where it like like it all stemmed. Uh, I watched uh, Star Trek. Did did you guys ever watch Star Trek? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, seven of nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From Voyager. Oh, man. Jerry Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I saw her. She came on screen and I was like, who is that? That's the sexiest Borg I've ever seen. (laughs) And so uh, I started like really watching. I think that, you know, I was was an elite gymnast when I was growing up. So I didn't like watch Disney. I didn't watch like a lot of TV. My parents were Southern Baptists. So they boycotted all the good stuff. (laughs) But uh, um, I did watch a lot of Star Trek growing up. And I got to watch like an hour of TV a day until I was 18. Or not even a day, I think. I think it was like an episode, right? Like every night I'd watch like an episode of Star Trek. And then, um, so I guess like, I guess when Jerry Ryan, I think the first time I remember ever being like really wowed by someone, it was Seven of Nine. And I thought her outfit was amazing. I thought she was just so sexy and she was so cool. And I just like had so many questions about who she was. And I'm like, where does this girl come from? And how does like, and I believe that she was like Borg from outer space, you know? And I'm like this person. And then I found out like what acting was. And then, um, <laughs> you know, slow, slow upbringing. Um, <laughs> but then I, I, I just, I, I told my mom when I, I blew my knee out a third time when I was 17. And so I had to retire gymnastics and I lost all my scholarships and I wasn't going to the Olympics anymore. And so I had to find a new career path. And the first thing I thought of was seven of nine. I was like, you know, if I could be anybody else, I'd be her. So I started my acting adventure and I moved to LA when I was 18. I put everything I had in a car and I drove out with my mom and then uh, started an acting career 14 years ago. Hmm. So I would say that uh, it's a really weird story, but go seven of nine. No, nothing weird about it. That <laughs> yeah, was perfect for our show. We love Star Trek. <laughs> yes. Oh man, there's a new Star Trek coming out. Oh, unfortunately, it's CBS Access. We got to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, but, but it's just, Captain Picard. I know. That's what's got me so excited. And yeah. Jerry oh. and Jerry Ryan's in it. I know. Oh. I fucking know. I was gonna be seven of nine for Halloween, but um, you know, I'm I. You know, have you ever like? I just want to do it right. You know, like I've like I want to turn into a cosplayer when I do that. Like I want to make sure that somebody makes me a costume that is so legit because there's no way that I can do seven of nine and look like someone's gonna be like, "Are you Catwoman?" Like I'm gonna <laughs> drop clip. You know what I mean? Like I can't. I mean, that cannot happen. Like I gotta have the facial thing and the hand mechanics. Like it's gotta be real. It's gotta it's, look like seven of nine. It's all out there on the internet. I know, I know, but it's October 18th. I've already looked into it, and it's not possible right now. So I'm just gonna be Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where can people find you guys online? So my Amazon wish list is. <laughs> and mine is. <laughs> and uh, Derek wants a PlayStation. <laughs> oh, I got that. Imagine. I'll go for an Xbox. <laughs> well, PlayStation 5, they're coming out. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um. My Instagram is Jeff Miller Film, I think. Um, 
Jeff Miller film. Something like no, that. No, Jeff. No, Jeff. You have to change it. You have to change it to what? Jeff Miller film, I think. No, no, it's not. It's Jeff Miller <laughs> film. No. But you need to change oh, the handle Laura, to Jeff Miller film, I think. I took what? your advice. My cat has an Instagram account now. A cat now? That's amazing. My cat, my cat has yeah. one. Count Blackula Boo. So you can find yeah. Count Blackula Boo. <laughs> And uh, and then also, I think I've got some Facebook sites, but Millman Productions is my company. If people want to track down my company on Facebook, just look for Millman Productions. And my various movies, I run the sites for several of my movies also on, on Facebook. Man, I can't tell you how much I love the fact that you are absolutely certain of your cat's Instagram, but not so sure about yours. I couldn't remember if there's like a space or something. I don't think there is. So, yeah. I love that, though. I love that you're like, um, I think mine is Jeff Miller, but my cat's is. Definitely. No, it's Jeff Miller film. I know. I know. I'm fucking with you. Come on. You got to let me do it. <laughs> Uh, mine is, I am Lauren Compton, I think. <laughs> we should all just add, I think, at the end of our handle. Um, mine is, I am Lauren Compton. And, um, I'm actually going to start a Patreon pretty soon, and I'm super stoked about it. I've started, uh, learning how to play the ukulele. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, I want to, turning on all the lights in my car so we can, Penny, get out of my way, you're taking my spotlight. Um, I don't want to lose the viewers. So, it's just the three of us. Whatever, doesn't matter. I keep you guys engaged. So, um, take a picture of this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a picture of the screen. Like all of his movies, he's like, I need a picture to remember (laughs) what you look like. Um, no, anyway, I've, I've started doing uh, musical comedy. And so I'm going to start. Um, I'm so excited about this. And I'm, this is the first time I've ever told anybody. So give me your feedback. So I'm going to start writing musical comedy. I'm going to write little tiny songs that are like really funny. And I'm going to start putting them in my stand up acts. And so what I want to do on Patreon is I need some inspiration. And I like because I don't really know what to write about. So what I want to do is I want to play a game with people where someone can subscribe, you know, I don't know how much it'll be yet. We'll say like 50 bucks. So for 50 bucks, they get to tell me a word. It could be any word, fish tank, taco, dog, you know, whatever. And then I'm going to write a 30 second song about that word and dedicate it to that person. And I think it's a fun way to engage with people. And it helps me write some like fun, dumb songs. And then I'm going to dedicate it to whoever pays for it. Is that is that like a good idea or am I totally losing my marbles? Uh, it sounds like an interesting <laughs> idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't see anybody else doing it, you know, but at it, least that way. And a word you could use for an example on Patreon is low cut. Yes! yes! <laughs> <laughs> any, like that's what's so fun about it is like any word you know and there's this app called cameo where people can like pay their favorite yeah. celebrity to like sing them um, happy yeah. birthday or like whatever so right. it's similar i'm gonna use it like in a similar kind of way but instead it's a little bit more authentic where i'm gonna like actually spend time writing like a little song or a little riff or, like you know a tin line poem about this word that they give me. So hopefully it's more like engaging and it will help me practice my ukulele 
So that's like really what I want is to just practice and get paid for it. But, you know, we all have hope and dreams. It's a good way of building up a fan base and building your brand. Yeah. Whereas Cameo, like you said, it's all scripted. Hey, you know, we want you to say this and please say it like it's written because we paid 50 bucks for it. Mm. Right. Yeah, so this I want to do it like a little bit more like authentic and um, be creative and funny and make people giggle and hopefully they like want to be a part of that. But we will see. <laughs> oh, we, we may have to talk to you about how to make our Patreon work better because we have a Patreon page that's combo for uh, the three podcasts that I'm involved with and I'm just I'm a social media idiot. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know a lot about Patreon. I'm just learning. Um, But I will pass information along to you as I figure it out. Okay. Well. I haven't even set my page up yet and like released it. Like I'm in the process of kind of building it. We we may have to talk anyway about social media. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So, um, Derek, any final questions or final thoughts? Hmm. Nope, I think I'm good. Well, we thank you guys for coming on. And y'all, y'all are welcome back anytime. Just hit us up. Thank you. You know, you, you've got my email, so feel free to hit us up. And- thank you. Cool. Well, thanks right, for Trent. having us on. Jeff, I missed your face already. Let's get together soon. Let's do it. Send me that. Send me the movie. <laughs> I know. I got a DVD. I'll, I'll meet you. I'll give you a DVD. Maybe yes. two. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so again, the project they were that they're promoting now is Once Upon a Time in Deadwood. Check it out when it, uh, it's out digital. When the DVD comes out, go buy it. It helps both of them. Uh, until next time. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.